Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. A few evenings ago, or, uh, you know, it was a couple weeks ago, I was um, kind of relaxing. It was the evening time. I was hanging out with Jackie, and we're sitting there, and we're about to watch some TV, you know, do what we do to unwind. And it had been a tough day. In fact, it had been several tough days together. And then I remembered, we have Oreos. That's what I remembered, and I thought, Oreos would be good. I need some therapeutic Oreos. And so like a good husband, I, you know, looked over at Jackie. I said, do you want some Oreos? And she said, no, she's really good about, you know, not eating that stuff at that time. And, and I said, well, I'm going to get me some Oreos. I need, I earned some Oreos, you know. So I go out to the kitchen. I pour me a big old glass of cold milk because you need cold milk if you're going to eat Oreos. It's a sin not to. And so I got that milk, got it going. And then I went into the pantry, found the Oreo box, opened the Oreo box and... They were empty. Yeah, I knew exactly who did it, but he was asleep, so I couldn't kill him at that moment. Um, just left that up. I didn't, I just put it back, you know. No, I, I threw it away, you know, like supposed to. I had to settle for a, hand, a handful of granola. It's, uh, it's not the same. Didn't help my heart, you know. You've been there. You've been into these situations, circumstances that, um, you know, they're disappointing and it's sad. It's just not the same. This has happened to you. Have you ever gotten in your spouse's car? You need to make a quick trip somewhere and what? No gas. Batteries ran out on the remote and you go to look for them, but the battery stash has been depleted by video game controllers. Sometimes you go to your friend, you need your friend to be a shoulder that you can cry on, somebody to encourage you through your tough time. And uh, before you can even say anything, your friend says, you will not believe the day that I'm having. I can't take any more. And you think this is not the time to let them know, right? Or you get a dog to protect your house and provide companionship. But it turns out to be more like a spoiled toddler princess than a theft deterrent, you know? You have been there. We all feel these feelings. We have this need, this real need. And then we see this potential, probable, great solution to the need. But then ultimately we're disappointed. So it's in that headspace, right? The way that you feel, the way that I feel, it's when we are in that headspace that we can, we can come alongside Jesus. We can know what Jesus is going through in Mark chapter 11. I mean, you and Jesus are on the same page on this one. You feel what he felt. You understand what it is that he does. But as always, there is more to the story. There's more that challenges us and confronts us and compels us not to be empty Oreo bags or Oreo cases, to be and to do what it is that we were intended to be and do. Let's pray together, and then we will look at Mark chapter 11 beginning in verse 12. God, thank you so much for the rain. Thank you for the weather. Thank you for the ability to gather together in these three services here too in Greenbrier. May you be in and through us. Make your presence known here as we open our minds and our hearts to your word. May we be challenged. And where we do not measure up, God, I pray that you would give us the strength, the faith, and the courage to be more like you for the good of others and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. We're gonna start with a story about 
a tree, a fig tree, in fact. We're going to look at a fig tree. We're going to move from that story and look at a story of a temple tree, temple, and then we'll look at how they tie together the tree and the temple, and then we'll see how that ties to you and to I, okay? So pretty simple T words there, tree, temple, tie. Verse 12 through 14, this is what the Word of God says. The next day, that's the day after the triumphal entry, the next day when they went out from Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves, he went to find out if there was anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. All right, interesting story. Fascinating uh, little tidbit there. In fact, this is one of those stories that just feels like transitional material from Bethany to Jerusalem. This is just what he did on that day. But there are some observations that we can make about the tree. We can make about this conversation Jesus has with the tree. First of all, there is an emphasis on observation. Mark makes an emphasis out of it. A lot of observation going on here. There are leaves seen from a distance. It just looked like a good one to stop by. This is a good tree. From a distance, there's probably multiple trees on this little path here. But this tree, this tree in particular to Jesus looked like a good tree. Probably looked like a good tree to the disciples as well. These big, thick, green leaves on the tree suggesting that it would have fruit. And so it's right there, right off the path, right between where he is and where he is going. And so this is a good tree. It looks like a good tree. Also, what you can observe there is that the tree has a purpose. It's implied, but it's obvious. The tree is a fruit tree. It's not a leaf tree. It's a fig tree. Its purpose was to give fruit for those who are hungry so that they could eat it, which in fact, you don't want to glaze over. Jesus himself is hungry. Keep that in your mind. Jesus is human. Jesus is 100% human. He is 100% God. Jesus has a human need, a need that all of us have experienced. We all know a child that is crying out of hunger, an infant or, or a spouse who is hangry. We know what it is for someone to be hungry. Jesus was hungry. He had a need, a very real, normal human need that the tree was supposed to fulfill fruit tree. So it's supposed to give you fruit and fulfill that human need. There's also another emphasis here, not only the way the tree looked, but the purpose of the tree and then also the season, the timing of crossing paths with that tree, right? Mark says it, he says, it was not the season for figs. Well, then that brings up probably the number one question I'm asked about this text. Why would Jesus curse a fig tree because it doesn't have figs when it's not supposed to have figs, right? It makes sense. Jesus knows the seasons. Well, I looked it up. Here's the answer to that very good question. All of this takes place in April. It takes place in April. In March, in that region, fig trees produce leaves and fruit buds, all right? Leaves and fruit buds. When you see a fig tree in March, April, and it has leaves on it, you assume that it is going to have fruit buds on it as well. It is just a little bit later, early summer, in which the figs will actually be produced. But at this point, because there are leaves, it is right, it is normal for Jesus and his disciples to assume that there's going to be fruit buds on there. 
That's what Jesus went to the tree to find. These little fruit buds are actually a very common food for the first century um, impoverished. The poor would eat these little fruit buds off of this tree. So Jesus is hungry. He has a need. The tree looks. It appears to be able to meet that need. And yet it doesn't. The other interesting thing about this is that sometimes fig trees don't produce those little buds. There's another story in the gospels in which there was a fig tree that did not produce fruit for three years. If they do not produce the fruit buds, then you can assume that that year, that fig tree is not gonna produce figs at all. One comes before the other. It is a season right before what is expected. It was time for it to show indication of imminent fruit. So seeing this tree that looked good, but didn't have buds, which meant it wouldn't have fruit. Jesus cursed it. No one will ever eat from it again, he says. In other words, Jesus says, this tree that looks good is not fulfilling its purpose. Therefore, it's worthless. That's the story. That's the idea behind that tree. That's why Mark is sharing. That's why Jesus does it. But it is an odd story, correct? I mean, this is an odd story in which Jesus not only speaks to a tree, but he gets mad at a tree and then he curses the tree. Taking that very same energy, he gets to the temple, all right? Look at verse 15 through 19. And they came to Jerusalem and he went into the temple and began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. He didn't want to, it's not a shortcut, Jesus says. He was teaching them. Is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. The chief priests and the scribes heard it and started looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was astonished by his teaching. And whenever evening came, they would go out of the city. So that's the storyline. That's what happened. Some more observable ideas. Now, I'm not going to really preach a lot on the temple. You can do a whole sermon just on that part. And I've done that before. You can look it up. But what I want to do is make some of the similar observations. The first observation that you would make about this temple is that there's a lot going on. There's a whole lot. There's an excitement. Even before you get to the temple complex, from a distance, you can see all the excitement. You can see smoke from incense and from fires. You could hear animals. You could, you could smell the scene and the scenery. There is an energy in the air, just electricity that is flowing. You would even, if this was maybe your first time to be there or, or, or maybe you went there as a kid and you're going back, you would feel a little bit giddy. This is an exciting thing that they are approaching. It is the Passover week. And so people from all nations are gathered there to worship and to make much of Jehovah or Yahweh. They are there in that temple to celebrate. There's excitement, there's energy. All of that is what's going on as they approach the temple. It looks really good. Here recently, we went down to DFW and we stopped in a couple of stores that sell Texas Rangers gear. And before you even got to the store, there were just people flooding into both stores, both individual stores in two different cities. And I witnessed in both stores, strangers helping strangers find the right shirt. 
I kid you not. One guy was looking for a shirt for his wife and all these other people start digging through the shirts to make sure that he got the right size. People were asking, are you looking for number two, number five, 34? Which number are you looking for? They're just passing. There's this excitement because the World Series was in Arlington. The Rangers are in it. There's all of this excitement. That's what's going on. Very similar to what's going on in this text. And Jesus ain't having none of it. It says that he starts to throw people out. In John chapter 2, when he tells the story, it says that Jesus whipped them with a whip that he made. This is premeditated assault, all right? He meant to do it. He went and made a whip and started kicking them out. It's not just that he is going after those who are selling, but he's also kicking out those who are buying. He won't even let them cut through that place. The animals are not safe. Tables are being turned over. Money is flying. It's on the ground. Jesus is upset about something. When everything seems to be real exciting, Jesus is upset about something. And the good thing about Jesus is he doesn't hide it. He doesn't tell you or he doesn't not tell you what's bothering him. In fact, he says it right there. He says, is it not written that my house, this temple ought to be a house of prayer for the nations? He's mad because they were using the space that was designated for worship of non-Jewish people. There was a certain area that non-Jews were allowed to worship in and they were using that space for buying and selling and commerce. It was greedy. It was self-interested and self-preserving. The people who were doing this were only interested in their own good and not the good of other people. And so Jesus is upset about this. He finds it to be just repulsive, taking advantage of people. This is a very clear example of self-interest gone crazy, way over the line, way over the line. And so Jesus is not having it. At this point, we've looked at a tree, and then we've looked at a temple. But the question is, do they tie together? And if so, in what ways? What are, the, what are the tie between the two? Well, first of all, let me explain this. This part of the text is what we call a Markin sandwich. A Markin sandwich. And Mark does this regularly. He will interrupt the story with the point of the story. In fact, whenever Mark interrupts one story with another story, that interruption is not an interruption. It's the point. You see this in Mark chapter 5 with a story about Jairus' daughter. Jairus is this guy who has a sick daughter. He goes to Jesus, asks him to heal him. This woman who needs to be healed interrupts the story. Jesus heals her, and then he goes heals Jairus' daughter. There's a point in the middle of that. You can see it also in Mark chapter 15 in which Mark mentions that there were women, only women that were at the crucifixion of Jesus. And then Joseph of Arimathea requests the dead body of Jesus. And then there are women, only women, at the empty tomb of Jesus. There is an emphasis. There is a point being made. The interruption is not an interruption. So, uh, you see this fig tree story that starts there in verse 12, but it's going to be picked up again in verse 20 and 21. But the temple is what interrupts it. They are clearly tied together. These two stories are a mark and sandwich that is supposed to convey to you some idea, some thought that you are supposed to get. So what are they? Well, we've been observing this whole sermon. Let's observe some more, some correlations. But it's the same correlations, right? The first one is the look the appearance. They both appear or look good, right? 
Big old leaves on that tree, lots of activity in the temple. If you had walked up to either of them with Jesus, you would have just assumed that things were right. From a distance, the tree looks good. It looks healthy. It looks nice. That's a good tree. All these trees we could pick. Let's pick that one. That tree has leaves that you can see from a distance. Surely it will fulfill its purpose because it is time to do that. And the same with the temple. Places of prayer, it's supposed to be exciting. It looks like there's all this energy. And it's, it's sort of that feeling like if you were to walk up to a, a, a Major League Baseball or an NFL stadium or NBA game, as you are walking and everybody's excited and you're going in there, you can feel that excitement. You would think to yourself, all is right in this world, right? And God is pleased. That's the appearance of what's going on with both the tree and the temple. But they are misleading. Both of those appearances are misleading, and that's something that we need to pay very careful attention to. They're misleading because neither is fulfilling its purpose. It's not just the appearance, but it's also the purpose. The tree was to produce fruit, not just leaves. You can't eat leaves. And the temple was a place of prayer for the nations. But there's little prayer going on at this moment when Jesus arrives and certainly wasn't inviting to those who are not Jews. In fact, it was blocking those from all of the nations. Its very purpose was to be a lighthouse to the nations. The reason the temple was established was to let God's people know that God dwells with his people and to set up on a mountain in order to attract the nations to Yahweh. That's why it was there. But now what we find is a scene when Jesus arrives and it is not only not inviting, it is blocking those it was intended to reach. The purpose is not fulfilled. There was a bunch of noise. There's a bunch of excitement, but that's not the point. And then also you see a season, a timing. There's the appearance, there's the purpose, but then there's also this timing. In both cases, it's just wasted time. It wasn't the season for, for figs yet, that's true, but it was the season for the buds and those weren't being produced. In other words, it is this sort of almost time when we're talking about the time in this Mark and story here, it's not that it was time or that it wasn't time. Really what Mark is trying to communicate to you is that it is almost time. The figs, the fig tree should be producing, being ready to produce the figs. Do you understand? Do y'all follow in that? And the temple was supposed to be the people of God drawing the nations of God to be ready to accept the Messiah. Neither were ready. And if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, and neither of these are that way. Clearly the three wouldn't have, or the tree wouldn't have figs, and clearly the people of God weren't ready to accept the Messiah. They weren't ready to be the lighthouse to the nations. So the appearance looks good, but it isn't, because it's not fulfilling the purpose. The timing is now, but they're wasting it. But then there's this other commonality between the two. When Mark picks up the story of the fig tree in verses 20 and 21, it records that the disciples and the Messiah walked past the fig tree and they observed, they noticed that the fig tree, the day before looked good from a distance, but this day is rotted from the roots up. In AD 70, uh, a few decades after Jesus dies, resurrects, and ascends, 
the temple is destroyed brick by brick, stone by stone, all the way down to its foundation. Just a few verses later after the text that you're looking there in your lap, in 13, chapter 13, verses one and two, Jesus predicts that the temple will be destroyed. In other words, because these two things looked good, but did not fulfill their purpose, in other words, what Jesus says is, they are worthless. We don't need them anymore. Just get rid of it. This is not why these things are supposed to be here. This is the point. The temple had a purpose and it was not doing that. So it was worthless. It was impressive. It was beautiful. People liked it. They loved that temple. No doubt about it. But it was functional, but it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. They loved it, but it wasn't fulfilling its purpose. So it was destroyed. And the sad thing is, The really heartbreaking reality of this story is that because the tree did not produce figs, those who are hungry were not fed. And because the temple was not fulfilling its purpose, those who were far from God were not called to God, were not pointed toward God. Other people hurt because the temple did not fulfill its purpose. And that made Jesus mad enough to just clean house. Not fulfilling the purpose ended up being worthless. They were actually standing in the way. So here's the application. Here's how we look at a tree and a temple and tie them together and then tie them to ourselves. First Corinthians three, verse 16 says this, don't you know, don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the spirit of God lives in you. In that verse right there, the you is what we would say, y'all. Don't y'all yourselves know that y'all are God's temple and that the spirit of God lives in y'all. It is plural. What Paul is teaching here to the Corinthian church is that the church, the gathered people, the people redeemed by God, the gathered people are the temple of God, God's spirit. God has a purpose and it's the same purpose as that of the Old Testament temple, to draw people to God, to point people to God, to be a lighthouse to the nations. We have to be very careful as a church that we don't fail like the tree and the temple. Churches are good at looking busy. Calendars filled with activities for the kids, the students, the women, the men, Bible studies and prayer meetings, trips and projects, lots of noise and hustle. But the question is, is it fulfilling its purpose? Too often churches are filling up social calendars for people, but not filling up the hearts of people with repentance of sin. We need to call people towards repentance. And those in the church can sit back and take great pride in all the stuff that is planned on their behalf and done. And all the while really caring, really never caring if the gospel is primary, if the Bible is being followed. That's our purpose. It's not preference or personalities. That is our purpose. The church is not a social club. What's sad is that people will leave churches because there's not the right events or the right things that they want for their teenagers, for themselves, but they will sit for decades in churches that never baptize anybody. That is a constant ongoing reality. While community is an aspect of what we do, it isn't the main purpose. That's not why we are together. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. So we read 1 Corinthians 3. Look at, or think about 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. It says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. 
You were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. 1 Corinthians 3 is plural, the church. 1 Corinthians 6 is singular, the you. What we have to remember is that the we of the church is built by the me of the, Christi- of the Christians. Each individual one of us is a stone placed within that temple, as Peter says. We each have a responsibility to be fruitful trees, people that bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Much too often, all that you can find or know of a person is a divisive, is divisive gossip and mean-spirited backbiting. Nothing that looks like Jesus. We know how to look like good, decent Christian folk. We know how to do that. We know how to say the words, to dress a certain way, to show up when we're supposed to show up. We know how to keep up the appearances, but what good is that? It's nothing. It's nothing if you can look like a Christian, but you live your life never having shared the gospel with anybody in the last couple days weeks, months, ever. You can look like a Christian all you want to, but if you don't share the gospel, you just look good. You're not fulfilling your purpose. Time is limited and we get all tangled up in conflicts and squabbling about personalities and preferences when there is a real need to do what God has called us to do. And in the end, the words of John the Baptist are haunting. He says, the ax is already at the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. The verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says that you are not your own. You are bought with a price, and that price is the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the mission. We talked about that last week. That is the mission that Jesus is on, is to redeem those who are dead in their sins, to free those who are captive by death and by sin. That is what Jesus is doing, and the Bible compels us. It argues that we should respond to Jesus in faith, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because when a person does that, when a person far from God does that and accepts Jesus as their Savior, the seed of that tree is buried deep down, rooted, planted deep down within our hearts that is when we are given life and that life will bear fruit you cannot bear fruit on your own we need Jesus in order to bear this fruit this is the impact line we have a purpose and a mission to be a part of and it's not enough to just look like we are a part of it or just to sound like we are a part of it to give appearances and activity time is of the essence and people's lives stand in the balance What good is a fire without heat or light? What good is salt without taste? There there was a 24-story residential tower in in London. It's called the Grenfell Tower. It looked like this. But in June of 2017, a fire broke out in that tower. It was a huge, massive fire. It started on the fourth floor with a faulty refrigerator Wire it spread very quickly, but lasted a long time. It consumed the entire building and it burned for 60 hours. 72 people lost their lives um, in that fire, making it the deadliest residential fire in London's history since World War II. After the fire, there was widespread criticism of the emergency response system and inquiries were done, including one by the fire brigade, which is what we would call the fire Uh, department or the fire station. The fire brigade did its own study 
on exactly what went wrong. Not with the fire, not with the refrigerator, but with the emergency response system. And these are words from its reports. It was found that the emergency response system was not fit for its purpose. And that it had serious systemic problems. Obviously the fire is nobody's fault. And the individual firefighters were brave and sacrificed and did everything that they could and should do. But the system, the setup, the thing that people called for the help was broken. And some people, some amount of those 72 died as a result of it. What we are designed, created, called to do as Christians is just as much a matter of life and death and the fire rages longer and is hotter. We are in a place for a time with a job to do. May it never, ever be said of us or of me is not fit for the purpose it was created to fulfill. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.